Sport Calgary conducts research into sports issues in our city. Did you know that the gross municipal amateur sport product in Calgary is over $1.2 billion per year? Visit www.sportcalgary.ca to learn more. Hey kids, welcome back to the original Six Feet Conversations, our podcast here at Sport Calgary. Uh, as we are currently going through what we're going through, we know a lot of people are hunkered down, uh, self-isolating, working from home, whatever the terminology is. Uh, we wanted to provide you with uh, a little escape, a little uh, breath of fresh air, a little positivity. And oh boy, do we have it today. <laughs> now, full disclosure, and you're going to hear this in every single one of these podcasts, full disclosure, uh, our guest is a friend of mine. Uh, he's a, uh, a co-worker, a guy I worked with, uh, a guy I've known for a long time, over 20 years. I'm a huge, huge fan. Um, I think he's uh, one of the great voices in uh, in sport. Um, he's an even better um, champion of, of sport. Uh, he's just really, really cool and, and well worth a conversation. And this is a good one. Uh, Peter Labardius is a former voice of junior hockey, uh, former voice in the National Hockey League of the Oilers, the Canadians, and the Calgary Flames. He's currently a color analyst on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, but for those in the know, for those in his peer group, for those in the broadcast that medium that know Lou, he's a special, special guy. Uh, he's passionate. Um, he loves this country um, and, and the teams that represent it on a whole new level. We all think we're patriots. We all think we're rabid Team Canada fans. Uh, but I've never met anybody quite like Lou in or out of the media. So I'm really excited about this opportunity. He is a guest here on our original Six Feet Conversations. Um, we're going to talk an awful lot about Canada. Um, we are going to talk an awful lot uh, about um, the history of sport in our country and significant history. We're going to talk a little bit about Calgary as well. But we're also going to, we're going to prove something. Peter Labardius has one of the true great memories. And he is going to expose me for a fraud in this very program. I, I, I have no problem telling you that. I will be exposed for the fraud. that I think I have a good memory. I went head-to-head with Lou, and he, he just wiped the floor with me. So with that said... I uh, do want to remind you that this is a podcast brought to you by Sport Calgary, and Sport Calgary uh, is there for you. If you're tired of searching dozens of websites for local sports events, visit www.sportcalgary.ca and find hundreds of local events, everything from community gatherings to summer camps to tournaments. And again, not now, but in the future, you're going to need that. All right, let's do it. The Original Six Feet Podcast, Original Six Feet Podcast, Original Six Feet Podcast, you call it what you want. Here's Peter Labardius of Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, I can see him. Unfortunately, uh, we're still just an audio podcast, but the one, the only, the legend, uh, Peter Labardius from Sportsnet 960 The Fan joins us. Um, I, I listed off your resume uh, before, so we don't have to go back there. How are you? First of all, I'm- you are like the last person that should be self-isolating. I mean, like, this has got to be killing you. No, you know what, Rob? You'd be very surprised to know that ever since all of this broke down, I have actually felt a real sense of calm. And knowing me as well as you do, yes, um, sense of calm would not generally describe me and how I go about my business. But I really have. I, I really have felt sense of calm. Um, it's given me great time to reflect and which you also know me well enough to do. I do it a lot and I think about a lot. I never stop thinking. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say surprised, but from day one where normally most people would think that I'd be completely out of my marbles, no sports and so many things that I exist for, aren't there i feel completely the opposite i really do why because why? Not, not to say you're one of the stressful guys that's not it you're a passionate no, I'm guy a very stressful guy no i wouldn't say that you're a passionate guy right yeah i'm a passionate. so guy. where do you find this calmness in this storm well I, I think in lots of different situations i've just learned 
more about what really matters. And, um, you know, in a career that's been great and given me a lot of different things, I've thought more than I ever have the last couple of years in the value of people. And that while our trials and tribulations take us to have great worry about where we're getting to in the next part of the journey, I've really thought, Rob, in all sincerity, more often than I ever have, and with some help to get there, about people Mm -hmm. and investing in people. And that's really where we can make a difference. So um, just recently, to share, I attended a funeral of a 92-year-old man by the name of Spiro Likas. And he was my baseball coach, but he was far more than my baseball coach. He came into my life at a time where my home life was not in the best of place. And he, for me, is truly one of the Mount Rushmore's on my Mount Rushmore of men. And as I went through the process of um, the funeral, the prayers, and all that was said, and all that I thought, Spiro Likas, the greatest difference that he made, his legacy, yes, he was Mr. Baseball in Saskatoon. Yes, there's a field named after him. Yes, it allowed him to touch and meet and be in a lot of people's lives, including my own. But I left that funeral, and I maybe understood more than ever, Spiros and his beautiful wife, Georgia, who's 89, that the difference they made is they're two of the most selfless people I have ever known. And they touched people and made an impact that was so much greater than any baseball game that he coached. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that in part, even to where we are today, was just another reminder about what the you and I have this conversation about. Mm. What's your legacy? What right. what you know? How do you want to make a difference? And you know, through different ways of thinking and looking at it, and I'm a very you know I I'm what I would call a big thinker. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think where some of the calm has come from. What are you doing right now to keep yourself occupied? Well, I was lucky enough to get back to home for me, which is Mississauga, Ontario, and be with my lovely wife, Nancy, and my stepdaughter, Hannah. And as someone who lives eight months of his life, having an awesome job, but away from a lot of people that he loves very, very much and have made a massive difference. You know, it's just truly been nice to be home again with people that I love so much. And, and that's really, to this point in time, what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to enjoy them and enjoy spending time because in my world, I don't get that for eight months of the year. So I don't take it for granted. And the other thing is, you know, every day, my son who lives in Edmonton, I reach out to him via Skype. And so I can see him and his lovely face and little fart makes me laugh. And um, yeah, so in my uh, three ring circus, I'm just trying to continue to find my way in the three ring circus. Technology is a wonderful thing, isn't it, Lou? I mean, it is. You, you think about it, um, and I, I don't. What we're trying to avoid in these types of conversations is getting too bogged down in what's going on in the real world. We want to, yeah, you know, we want to be sure. positive and and be distracted. Mm-hmm. But you and I, we couldn't be in a better time in some ways going through something like this because I'm looking at you, you're looking at me. You're halfway across the the country. We're able to record this. We're able to put it up. We're able to share it. Can you imagine your time in Estevan or in, you know, some of those other small bergs? If this had happened, what would we do? How would we have gone on? I mean, what, we're going to get reel-to-reels and and do what? Like, it's insane. You know, it is, Rob. However, it's funny. I think when you go through these times, you think about a lot of different things and a lot of people. 
But when I think about Estevan, and we both spent some very key time, I think, in our worlds there at a much younger age, I when I think about Estevan, I just think about simple and basic. Yeah. And a life that didn't feel like it had great responsibility. It felt like a lot of fun, and it felt like a incredibly neat part of the journey. And I've said this to a lot of people over the years. You know, when I started my career at 18 at CJSL in Estevan in 1984, um, all I ever wanted to do really was to be a sports broadcaster. And for the last two years, in typical me fashion, I worried about, well, there was kind of this overriding theme about if you spend any more than 15 or 16 months in yeah. a community like Estevan, um, you're never going anywhere. Right. But I don't know where my whole forget about career, my whole life would be today without the foundation as moving away from home, learning to manage on my own. And all that came with the early parts of a career that I thought about since I was six or seven, where it got to. So, yeah, I mean, Estevan to me was beautiful. It was simple. It was scary. It was all of the above. And it was a place where I met some people that made a massive difference in my life. Okay, so I want to go back all the way to the beginning. But before I do that, just mm-hmm. for the the broadcasters out there, the young kids that might be starting, how many different stops have there been for you on the broadcast journey? How many different places have you plied your trade? Estevan, Regina, Saskatoon, brief stop in Winnipeg, Edmonton, Toronto, Calgary. But you did some Canadians games too, right? Yeah, I did. Yes. So can't we include <laughs> your? Yeah, I mean, your yeah, Montreal I, adjacent is what I'm saying. Yeah, Montreal adjacent for sure. I mean, <laughs> if if you if you break it down yeah. that way, I don't even know how many different you know communities or situations. But yeah, for sure, Montreal. You should add to that, I guess, because there was a couple of years where I did a handful of their games. Yes. So, so you're the only. Pl- the only places you haven't worked in are the coasts, correct? East correct. and West. Correct. But no Vancouver, never worked in the Maritimes. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Or Newfoundland. Right. Okay, so I'm going to take you back. You mentioned I wanted to, I've always wanted to know the was there ever a Peter Labardius crossroads? Was there ever a moment where and I'm not talking about broadcasting, I'm talking about sports right now, where, geez, I could really dig music, or I could really dig art or science, or I should go down this path of sports. Was there ever a, a moment? No? You're shaking no. your head. No? No. No, not really. No, I've thought way more about those things in the last 10 years than I did for the first 40 plus. And No, I was very, very single focus yeah very i mean i enjoyed other things i like movies i like music um there's other things that i certainly derive excellent entertainment from right but but you established eight years old here in this conversation yeah and it was younger than that was younger than that younger than that sports or broadcasting sports or broadcasting or both 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 And it was never, for you, I know the answer, but it was never news or, you know, nope. it, it was always going to be sports, right? No, it, it, at a very young age, Rob, I, I didn't even probably know that it was going to be as a broadcaster. I just knew that sports was such a happy place for me and such an incredible passion that if I was going to go to work every day that I wanted to do it, involved in sports in some way shape or form probably at that point in time you know being six and seven and eight uh already had thought about being a sports broadcaster but you know i i love playing baseball and i love playing hockey but i think even at that point even though 
you know, I was one of those somewhat typical kids who was pretty darn good until I got to be 13 and 14, especially in hockey that, you know, some of the other stuff probably creeped in for a while, but not for that long. It was just always I wanted to have my life and to work in sports. And what was the first sport? What was the one that turned you on? What was the one that captured your imagination? Hockey. It was, Hockey, eh? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my mom, my mom would tell a story, and I think I would believe her about being one, being one, and that when hockey night in Canada would come on on Saturday nights, she also said for whatever crazy reason, I walked by the time I was nine months, and then decided I was going to use my walker because it was easier. That I would race on my walker when I heard that music. And while a lot of other little people would leave or get excited about the commercials, for whatever reason, I was completely all in on the hockey. Hmm. Then tell me about the patriotism part, because you're well known in your peer group um, Mm -hmm. as being the biggest booster of our country, that um, there are legendary stories of the lengths that you will go to watch a team wearing the maple leaf competing Mm -hmm. in international competition regardless of the level regardless of the sport but where did that connection of of patriotism come into your sports well i don't think there's any doubt rob that the starting place was the summit series in 1972 you know the canada russia eight game series um you know and it was a very different political time I think, (laughs) though it seems in some ways we're headed a little bit closer back to some of those days. Hopefully not. Yeah, that that is where it started. And and I think, yeah, that that's truly where it started and and where it evolved. And, And I think it took shape at some other times. I think, believe it or not, the United States, um, winning the Miracle on Ice in 1980 when I was a massive Canadian Olympic hockey fan even going into that particular event I I think I think the U.S. winning that um also played a massive massive role in my patriotism for sports and especially team sports in our country um but but yeah the foundation was certainly 72. Okay so let's let's do this chronologically first what do you remember today about 1972 what's what is fresh in your memory about that series? Almost all of it. Really? Yeah almost all of it. How old were you? Um, I'll never forget the Saturday night that it opened Yep. and really having absolutely because we didn't we didn't have any knowledge about what we were going to see in the Russians. And, you know, I wasn't old enough to have understood the, the path that they were on in terms of winning world championships and, and how good they might have been. But I'll never forget the 7-3 absolute beatdown that the Russians put on to open that series in Montreal. And what an incredible awakening in remembering that we thought we were going to, you know, flat out win this series and it was going to be easy because we had all the best players in the world playing in the best league and they absolutely handed Canada its lunch. And I think it changed that series. I think it changed hockey and the sport forever. And in fact, I think we're still seeing the incorporation of different ways of playing the game and how we look at the game. I I think the game has become very Russian-oriented, Rob, in how it's played today in in the value of possessing the puck. And they didn't necessarily have a lot of shots in those games, but their shots were valuable yeah, shots. Yeah. And their ability to technically play the game at a level that we've never seen. I, I think, you know, the sport today has so much of that in it. So, yeah, I remember the Phil Esposito speech like yesterday after the 4-4 tie in Vancouver. Um, You know, I remember Paul Henderson and his huge goal, forget about in game eight, but in game seven. I remember the feeling that there was no way we were going to go into their world on their terms and find a way to win three hockey games in a row. And I remember being 
with one of my dearest friends, Abe Dangor, in grade two in Mrs. Baker's class and watching game eight unfold and the absolute delirium in the school, in the classroom, and even at, you know, I guess I would have just turned seven because my birthday is September 20th, and that was September 28th of 1972, just thinking, oh, this poor woman, she's never getting this day back. <laughs> there is no chance that she's controlling any of this. So, yeah, there's very little. I probably can't remember Flames games from two weeks ago, but I can probably take you through that series almost, not play-by-play play or goal-by-goal, goal, but it sure sits there. So two things that come out of that. One, help me out. Give me a little Peter Labardius through the prism of time. What would the... Phil Esposito speech be like today? What would if if that happened in this era of social media, if that happened in this era of era of sports talk radio, what is it different? Is it is it greater? Is it lesser? Um, because it is to me one of the precursors of what sport would eventually become. I agree with you. Um lesser. Lesser. Yeah. And but maybe not not today. I think today it would have far more impact than it would have, Rob, even two weeks ago. Um, I just think in my evolution and what I've seen in my lifetime, um, social media and take it for what it is, I just think at that point in time there was a lot more value to it in how it brought people together because, and, and you can look at this in a lot of different ways, but the respect and what that series meant to our country and the people that performed in it, you know, that's why that speech became such a rallying point. Because what Phil Esposito did on that night in Vancouver was he scolded a nation. And we listened. Yeah. And we heard. And we understood, I think, that our focus shifted from we better start understanding. And I think as Canadians, we still have a tough time in hockey doing this. That guess what? We're not the only people capable on this planet of playing it and a high at a high level. And that was an incredible learning experience in life as a Canadian and more importantly in hockey. And that's what Phil Esposito, that to me, Rob, was the rallying point. He scolded a whole country to say, you guys think this should be different and it's easy. Well, guess what? I'm in the middle of it and, and we are having a miserable time finding our way. I, I think that was the overriding message. And that's why I think it was so powerful. I think it should be taught in school. I, think, I do too. I, I think it's history. I think it's it's a, a moment in time of the maturation of this young country, and you know it's easy to slough it off as it's just sports and it's just hockey. It 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 was critical. It was really it was. whether we know it or not. I think shaped us moving forward, which is what I think you alluded to. Yeah, it's I. It, there would be no other words to add because I couldn't agree with you more. Paul Henderson, uh, hockey Hall of Famer. Yeah, has to be, doesn't he? You know what? A human Hall of Famer. For sure. A country no, no, Hall of Famer. No doubt, but I think it's more pertinent now, Lou, because we continue to spiral a little bit away. Now, I think the, the, the Hall's decision under the leadership of Lanny McDonald and others to include and make sure that women are correctly and properly recognized, I think is a good kind of pullback and reminder. There was a time there where I felt it was spiraling a little bit too much. It's NHL, it's NHL, and it was getting mm -hmm. referred to even conversationally as the NHL Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not. It's a Hockey Hall of Fame. And I think because of that moment and the impact on, on a nation alone, I think he needs to be in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've okay. felt that way for a long time, and the Hall of Fame discussion is a another long series of shows. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it is. really is. It is. You're right. And, and, and I have a dear friend who I always refer to as a hard marker and a massive sports fan and one of the most intelligent people I've ever known. Um, you know, it's, 
it's funny how being a Hall of Famer, it means different things to everyone. Sure it does. And I, and I think in our own way, we we have a there's no right or wrong, Rob, on who to each individual is or isn't a Hall of Famer. Now, that's why we have categories and that's why we have, you know, certain foundation pieces or statistics in certain sports. But, you know, again, the Hall of Fame discussion is always an incredibly difficult one because to me it's about making a difference. And I'm not sure anyone has made a much bigger difference to hockey, at least in one nation, than people like Phil Esposito and Paul Henderson. Well, I think part of the reason, and we'll get to this in a second, because I did say there were two things you mentioned earlier. I think part of the frustration is of what happened in 1980, um, that is revered on a different level. I wouldn't say greater or anything, just a different level by Mm -hmm. our counterparts south of the border. I still think we undersell 72 in some regards. For guys our age, I think we get it, we understand it. But I think there's a – and maybe I'm wrong about this, but my belief is younger audiences in the United States are more aware of 1980 than younger audiences in Canada are aware of 72. And and that's just arbitrary. I don't know if that's fact. It just feels that way. I I think it feels that way because that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's certainly – and I have it. You can have a box series of it on, you know, sure. whatever format that was. Um, VHS, Lou. It VHS, was VHS. <laughs> right? I have it. Um, and many others like it. So it's chronicled. It's available. It's out there. But, you know, even in the span of eight years, you know, I there's still not a 1972 movie. Yes, there was. On, was CB- there a movie? on CBC, absolutely, there was. Okay. Yes, okay. there was. No, no. It, there, what there was was a Canadian version of history in a movie. What there wasn't was a Disney retelling of a an American, right? right? right. Y- right. You know, it, you're it, right because I've seen the CBC series. So, right. yeah. I mean, I can't get my hands on enough of that kind of stuff. And now, right. you know, for different kind of reasons, whether what the game looks like or you know, all kinds of different avenues you can go down all right so 1980 why the solidification for you of your patriotism towards canadian sport what was it about that 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 made you even more of a fervent you know supporter of our country on the international stage well i I think there's a few reasons and i'm not even sure i've thought about it until you just really ask the question um i've always had as we've talked about great passion for international sport. Right. And so I was incredibly aware of the people who were not playing for the United States, but the people playing for Canada under the guidance of legendary hockey figure, Claire Drake, who was the coach of the 1980 Canadian Olympic team. And I knew that we had knocked off the Americans eight out of 10 meetings, I believe going into those Olympic games. So, you know, even before those Olympics, um, you know, the one thing in sports I wanted to see with my own two eyes was Canada winning an Olympic gold medal because I, we all got a pretty good indication in 72 of how great the Russians and some of the other Europeans, especially the Russians, were. Yep. And what an incredible victory that would be to compete with them and somehow find a way to beat them. What people in our country don't even know is we had a 4-2 lead against the Russians in the round robin ourselves in that very tournament before losing six to four. So Canada and that incredible group of university-laden players, um, which I followed very closely because at 15, and that's the age I, by and large, it's what I was, I was, I, I was the stick boy for the University of Saskatchewan Huskies in 1980. So... You know, I'd, I'd gone to a lot of university hockey games for a couple of years before that, but 
you know, so it had a different impact for me, Rob, because of that in watching Glenn Anderson and Dave Hindmarsh and, you know, understanding about the U of A in particular and the great teams and the great players that helped to make up that Canadian Olympic team. So I was as excited as any on that Friday afternoon for the United States to be able to do it. But part of what built that patriotism is I almost became borderline angry that they did it and we didn't do it. Right, right. They got to wave the flag. They They got got to wave wave it. They got to wave the flag. And I loved it. And I'll never forget a Saturday night when Finland basically, you know, took away our hopes of even winning a medal in 1980 because in a 3-3 tie on a Saturday night, they scored a goal against Bob Paggio from center ice. And that, in many ways, spelled the end of the Canadian hopes of forget about winning a gold medal, even to be able to compete for one. All right. I got to tell this story. And I don't mean to embarrass you. No, I, I, I have sorry. been in the TD Bank Center and watched the Calgary Flames play the Boston Bruins three times. I called two of them. The first mm-hmm. game was 5 nothing. The second game was 9 nothing, And then the last game was 2 nothing. I've never seen the Calgary Flames score a goal in Boston. That's neither here nor there. I just want to point that out. The first yeah. one, that 5 nothing game, was, I believe, March of 2010. Mm-hmm. You and I were watching the game together. At one point, they flashed to a sign <laughs> in the crowd <laughs> that said, I'd rather... I'd rather win silver than be Canadian. And I'm pretty sure that's the hardest I've ever had to grab a human being from watching them go over and tear the strip off of anybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't have been the only time. No, 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 no. But that one, that one, you, you, you had blood in your eyes. Like there, there were people were going to pay a price that day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I think is the best illustration of that of that passion that you have, but answer me this. When, when did it transfer to other sports? What, what do you remember? Because you've called softball. You're a big softball fan. Um, Volleyball, basketball. It does not matter. If if we have a tiddlywinks team, Peter Labardius is going to be there cheering them on at the, you know, division F level. When did Mm -hmm. that part happen? You know, I, you know, you know. I think even to reflect on it, a big part of that for me, Rob, probably to get to other sports was the '76 Summer Olympic Games in Montreal. Okay. Um, you know, because I did. I I, I loved playing baseball. I loved softball as a kid. Um, I loved all sports. I loved. Football, I, you know, team sports for me has always been a big deal. So I think, you know, the seed was very much planted in 72 through hockey, but I, I think it really came to fruition for me. At, I guess I would have been 10 in 1976. So then I got to see firsthand and, and you know, on a daily basis for a couple of weeks in Montreal – Then I got to be invested in our volleyball team, uh, in our men's and women's basketball teams with Martin Riley at guard for the Canadian men. And (laughs) our star center was Phil Tollestra. Um, And and I absolutely loved those two respected basketball tournaments. So I kind of fell in love with that. But, yeah, that... Probably, without even thinking, and you as a great question asker, yeah, that's probably where the rest of the chapter really began. I just, I loved every second of that Olympics. And and I loved the challenge of, you know, kind of being little Canada going up against the U.S. And, you know, I, I remember our men's basketball team going up against the Americans in 76. Um, what about 83? What about Charles Bark? I mean, what one, do you of the, one, of the, one of the greatest, the university ad games in Edmonton. Um, 
some of the most incredible stuff. And unfortunately, that game was not shown live by CBC when we beat John Stockton and Carl Malone. Um, but again, that was part of where things grew for me. Danny Mahar and, and you know, bless his heart, you know, the guard from the University of Victoria who we lost this year and Greg Wilcher and Carl Tillman and um, Eli Pasquale didn't come to me for a second. Sure. was the incredible yeah. point guard of that team. And then they went on and they beat Yugoslavia in the final and handily under the incredible guidance, you know, and I fell in love with Jack Donahue during those 1976 Olympics when he coached the Canadian men's basketball team. Okay, how important is Jack Donahue to Canadian sport history? Um, an incredible. I, I think two of, I think two of the greatest difference makers in basketball in our country was Jack Donahue. Yep. And Steve Nash. Yep. And then probably now Vince Carter. But there's probably no Steve Nash if not for Jack Donahue. And there may no, not be a direct well, there may not be a direct line between the two, but well, but he set the stage. He did. And there probably wouldn't have been a you know, when you think about Steve, where did Steve grow up? Steve grew up in Victoria. Yep. Who was the star guard at the University of Victoria? It was Eli Pasquale. I don't think there would have been a Steve Nash without Ken Shields and the incredible program that was the University of Victoria Vikings. Yeah. yeah. It all kind of, it, it started in many ways right there. Right. Well, it feels like we're, we're into a game here now, but Stubby Clap and Winnipeg, 1999, correct? 1999, yeah. What do you remember about that game? Oh. Um... I remember scaring a lot of people in the CFRN newsroom. <laughs> um, I was with Roger Millions and Barry Strader. And at the CFRN newsroom, we had our own sports room. And there was a myriad of television monitors at the end. It was almost like a classroom. There was the newsroom that was like one classroom. And we had our own classroom. And um, what people don't always remember is there we are in a semifinal against the United States. And you know it all too well. When Canada plays the United States in any kind of team sport, yep. that takes me to a level that I'm not going to even try to explain. And it probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is what it is. So we had a pretty good team. And needless to say, the Americans always have a great baseball team for the most part at any level. And we were down six to three in the game and two runners on for a gentleman by the name of Andy Stewart. <laughs> when he hit that home run out to tie that game at six, I raced around the entire station screaming and yelling and hugging people. I should have been fired right there. Done. <laughs> Reg Thomas, the news director, sort of <laughs> fired me right there. I hugged everyone I could get my hands on. So that home run tied it at six. And then I put on not quite as big a performance when that infield pop-up was mishandled by the American shortstop off the bat of Stubby Clap, and we won the game. I believe it was seven to six, and... You know, Canada advanced to the gold medal game where they would lose to Cuba in the final. All right. I don't know how we ended up here, but I'm going to finish it off this line of questioning this way. Um, okay. I believe February 2014, arguably in terms of games, rivalries, may not have yeah. been a bigger one, may have been the loudest noise ever created by a human being <laughs> in overtime. Down, you were in the dome watching it, right? You were in the hot stove lounge watching that game. No, now what? No, what? Uh, are we what, talking about Team Canada over US three two? Three two? Yeah. 
I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get our events straight. Sorry, I, do I have the wrong year? Where? When was the overtime winner? Was it not eighteen or fourteen? Canada came back from the two nothing in Olympic women's. Oh, Olympic women's. Yes. Oh, um, actually, I was in the room that I'm in right now. Okay. No, no. Where did yeah. you were squealing? No, no, no. There's a game. Oh, well, that's not that game. Which then. game was it? Which game were you in the dome? And that was the loudest that I ever heard. See, I don't have the memory that you have. I just assumed it was that overtime game. Canada came all the way. No, back. I. You know what? To be honest, my friend, I'm having a tough time correlating the noise. I mean, I know I made it. <laughs> I'm just having a tough time remembering exactly what we would have been watching together. We weren't. You were watching it. I wasn't. And we heard you. And it was going on while practice was going on. And you were at a, you might have been watching actually inside the... Uh, the hot uh, stove? I thought the hot stove. But you know what? On second thought, you might have been watching inside the uh, Flames uh, trainer's room. Because it was going on. And, I mean, it was awesome. But there was work to be done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've interfered in a lot of work, for sure. <laughs> All yeah, right. I've interfered in a lot of work. No, you know what? Honestly, I, I'd love to finish off the story, but it's it's not sticking for me. It really isn't. Well, it was the women's? It was the women's overtime final. Well, the women's final, I know for an absolute fact. Okay. I was in the room that I'm currently in in Mississauga. Yes. And I was sitting on a couch, and I'm not gonna repeat. When Canada got a power play late at 2-1, I, I just, and, and Nancy, if she was here, and she's not, she could definitely tell you, um, I went on about a minute and a half um, diatribe about just give Marie-Philippe Poulin one more chance. <laughs> one more chance. <laughs> and, I, and I used a lot of four-letter bad words. Yeah. But when she tied that game at two, as a short, usually somewhat overweight man who has about a four-inch vertical, I almost hit the roof above the TV in our living room. And that is what I remember most about that. Now, I don't know, maybe somebody had phoned me to do a radio interview after or at the same time but yeah that when, that, no, you're, that moment you are clear no you are clearly the authority on this i'm yeah. i'm clearly mixing two events that's yeah. why i asked the question uh by the way uh for those who are and i don't know why you would join a podcast in the middle of it it's not radio but he is peter labardius from sportsnet 960 the fan by the way i get, I get to read liners pete i get to read liners so that's you, good right here Sport Calgary acts as a resource for sports organizations with a ton of information available at www.sportscalgary.ca. Learn about community and coaching resources, research, jobs, and, of course, the latest in Calgary sport. I haven't done those in a while, so I'm a little rusty. Thanks for being yeah, with you're, me. Yeah, you're rusty. Yeah, one, of the, one of the great radio hosts our country has seen in the last two decades. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Um, let's bring it back because we want to talk a little bit about Calgary. Sure. But we can still... Kind of, you know what? No, I'll come to Calgary in a second. Your memory. Let me ask you about your memory. Have you ever mm-hmm. been tested? Have you ever been? T- do no. you have? So you don't. You're not Sheldon Cooper. You're not Mariel Hemingway or any of those. No. Not Mariel. No. Uh, sorry, not Mariel Hemingway, but um, the lady from Taxi. I can't remember her name. Uh, okay. Uh, no, and no. I'm not. You're not, because no. you are known for your memory. Mm-hmm. Somewhat, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? And is it only sports? Mostly. Okay, you don't remember the periodic table. I can't pull out a periodic table right now. Not a chance. No. Okay. No. Okay. No, and the older I've gotten... Yes. It's not the same. It's not the same? Not not the same. Oh, I don't know, dude. I mean, you rattled off some pretty detailed information from 1972, right? if, If it had a major impact, and probably between... Five and thirty, yeah, the vault was okay. Yeah, the vault. You know, I mean, a- again, it's for you. Forget it. Nobody really cares. There are there are certainly things I'd be a complete and utter liar, which I try to stay away from. 
I can still, I can see things. Okay. I can see some. What do you, do you know, by the way, it's Mary Lou Hanner who has yeah, the eidetic right. memory from Taxi. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Google. Um, are you, do you connect through smell? Do you connect through music? Do you connect through tactile feel? Do you, do you know what your triggers are for your memories? No. You don't, eh? No. Nope. So it's not, you're not connected, you don't connect things to music or, you know, something you smell or something like that? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I certainly, you know, there are certainly events and important times right. where music really, I can really correlate those two. You know, a perfect example for me would be... Um, as a kid, we got cable in 1978 okay. um, and NBC's theme song for the final of March Madness, which was Larry Bird against Magic Johnson, Indiana State against Michigan State, which is the first March Madness final four was Kenny Loggins. This is it. So every time I hear that song, <laughs> that's where it takes me. I think you might you might have given me a bit of your answer. Um Let's bring it into Calgary. I want to talk a little bit about Calgary. Um, okay. Give me some of your top Calgary moments, because I, I, I would think, of course, you're associated with the Flames, as, as you rightly, rightfully should be. But as we've gone through this journey and talked about Team Canada, hard not to think that there hasn't been some, you know, Team Canada and, and other sport moments here in Calgary. What stands out for you? Well, I would say for me, um, moving to Calgary and getting an opportunity to be the television voice of the Calgary Flames, um, you know, that was a big one. I don't know, Rob, like that's like that's that's a hard question. Like one of the great Calgary memories I have, and I wish I could somehow with this stupid voice of mine, I've set off some kind of musical device so, in the room so i'm not now, going insane you've told alexa to start playing music that's what you did somehow <laughs> yeah yeah we had this conversation about technology you can and I, I go turn it off somehow well yeah i mean is it what is okay, it just, just give on. me a sec okay i can't i can't do this anymore for a second all right i'm gonna read another liner okay okay how about this one uh tired of searching dozens of websites for local sports events Visit www.sportcalgary, not sports, sportcalgary.ca and find hundreds of local events, everything from community gatherings to summer camps to tournaments. And, of course, uh, we are kind of talking about when everything settles down, then you'll be able to uh, go back and and, uh, get involved again. All right. You turned it off, did you? That may be one of the greatest moments of all time. Well, it was. I won't lie to you. I'm like going, okay, what have I done here? There's there's music. Where's the music coming from? No, you know, my mom told me a long time that I was far too loud. <laughs> Learn how to shut your mouth. There you go. You uh, know, I, I disagree wholeheartedly. You were going to tell me a story about Calgary because there's got to be some world junior camps. There's got to be you know, the Olympic oh, camps. Rob, you know stuff. what? There's so many. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't in attendance. Um, listen, the, the here's a couple right off the top. Okay. okay? Canada played the Soviets in 1984 in Calgary in the semifinal of the Canada Cup. Mm-hmm. Mike Bossy ending that game with a redirection of a Paul Coffey point shot. Yep. So that was a first great Calgary sports memory, in a sense. Not completely, but in a sense. But you talked about, you know, the international love. Well... I attended and watched nine hockey games at the 1988 Calgary Winter Olympics. I'm still paying for it. <laughs> I'm still paying for it, literally, in some ways. The loans do. Um, so the 1988 Winter Olympics was a culmination of an incredible dream that I had to watch my country play hockey in the Olympic Games and did it with, again, my friend Ayub. Um, Spent more money than I'd ever want to admit through scalpers to be able to, because we won 
well, we didn't won, win, but there was a lottery. So we had some game tickets. Right. I think five. But we certainly didn't have all the ones that I wanted. So, yeah, the 88 Olympics, that was a massive one. Um, all the years when I wasn't living in Calgary, where I would vacation in the summer to be able to watch our world under 18 camp and world junior camps. Those were great Calgary memories and then everything else. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where they all started. At least there's, there's too many of them to chronicle all of them. No, but it just, you know, kind of one of the things we want to do in these conversations is, is kind of highlight because we, I do feel we were rather fortunate to live where we live in, in this, in the apex of sports. Like there's Absolutely. a lot, there's a lot of confluence now, obviously some of it's aging and there's questions and will we be, doesn't matter, but you know, from right. a historical standpoint, this remains a very important, uh, destination location event hosting city for, for yeah, Canadian absolutely. sports, right? Mm-hmm. What's the, yeah. what's the smallest best event you've ever watched in this town? The smallest best event. Yeah. Oh, boy. The smallest, best event. I don't know how to answer that. I I do know this. I can tell you what my last event that I watched was. What's that? It was uh, a city peewee double A playoff game. And what what connection did you have to that? Well, I heard about this young man, and I wish I could properly pronounce his name, uh, through Sean Kelso. He plays with Sean Kelso, who's one of the heads of the Flames PR department. Um, His son plays on a team with this 12-year-old whose parents were from Nigeria, who is an incredible young hockey talent, and... So I watched those two, who are the top two Calgary Peewee AA teams play, and I had come in a few conversations just before I left Calgary to hear about this kid that I just, I had to go out and see. And so that was the last live sporting event I attended. I don't know if I would say it was the maybe the smallest or the most impactful of any that I've watched in Calgary, but it's an easy one to point to today. So a couple before I let you go here, and and something tells me we're likely going to have to do this again, Um, not because of the extent of what we're going through, but, you know, because of the extent of what we're going through, probably have the time. Um, You travel, that's what you do, you travel Mm -hmm. with the Flames. You Mm -hmm. are a new adopter to social media. You have a a Twitter account. And not good at it, yeah. uh, Neither here nor there. One of the most interesting things is what you do on your non-work days, what you do on your off days. Is it interesting? It's fascinating to me. So much so that I'm proposing next season that Kidsport do a bingo card of Where's Lou. And we put all kinds. So this year already, you've attended what? You've attended baseball, basketball, and what other sports on the road? What have you sought out? Well, I saw a softball doubleheader at Florida State, Okay. followed by a baseball game at Florida State. So that was a triple header. Um, what else have I seen this year? Uh, I saw, even on the same trip, I saw Vanderbilt against Missouri in basketball. Right. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. So how I mean, do you, how do you find how do you land on it? What do you are you doing this preparation ahead of time or are you doing it when you get on the ground? No, 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 no. When when the National Hockey League schedule comes out in June, right, and it's not fail safe, but I take a good chunk of about a week and a half to map out every potential sports possibility I have on off days. When I'm on the road with the hockey team. Okay. So that's where the process starts. Because things change and schedules aren't readily available, I constantly and have, you know, like here's a perfect example. Okay. This season, 
we are on the road in California in October. Now, generally, the NCAA basketball season doesn't start until November. But in my findings, I found USC men's basketball against Villanova at the nearby Galen Center at the campus of USC in October. So it's, it's, it starts in June, but yes, it, it never kind of stops. And sometimes I miss and get mad. Okay. okay. So, and, and this might be a little inside baseball, but what's the craziest story you have about getting to an event? Because you really are kind of marooned at the team hotel usually close to an arena. Some mm-hmm. of these places are not close by. Do no. you have a wacky Uber slash taxi slash public transportation story of getting somewhere to watch an event? Well, I've been scared a few times. Have you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was nervous even going to that game that we just talked about. Um, more so after it let out, because USC isn't exactly just outside of the Galen Center, and if you've ever attended a football game at Memorial Coliseum where they play football, it's not the world's nicest place. I don't think, my friend, there's there's a massive, you know, trains, planes, and automobiles <laughs> not not on the road with the Flames. My my story to get to the final of the 2002 salt lake olympics to watch the men's gold medal game is probably the most interesting planes trains and automobiles to make that happen um all right tell us then you can't set us up and then move away from it come on now okay 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 so here's the best i can do i'm gonna save some of this by the way we have to make one promise right now yes you have i get to interview you for a change on my podcast what wait hold on now wait breaking news we don't have a breaking news bumper what do you mean your podcast i might have a podcast that comes out this is fascinating to me do tell no hold on i want the story in a second but do tell so you're doing now can you can you give us any information not 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 completely but but there will be one at some point holy cow all right this yeah. is exciting news. Right. I think the and world, you, and, this and is you, changing the world right here, Lou. I yeah, didn't expect oh, yeah. to break news. And yeah, here we are. Yeah. We're breaking yeah. news. You mean with all my followers? And yeah, okay. All right. The, an original six feet podcast exclusive, Peter Labardius, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be dropping a podcast. This is exciting. Yeah, okay. Let's <laughs> move on. Let's move on. All right. Tell me the story. Okay. So, 2002. My buddy, Corey Blashill, who's a camera person for Sportsnet and has been for a long time, was shooting for Sportsnet in Salt Lake City. So he calls me and tells me prior to the quarterfinals, I've met, and as only Corey can, I've met some Nike representative who will, for $775 a piece, sell you two tickets to the gold medal game on Sunday? I said, I'll buy them. Bought them. I knew that my friend Ayub would go along for the ride. He said yes. So I said, buy them. So anyway, I'll get to the meat of the story. So at that time, Rob, I was working at Sportsnet, But that year, that season, in Ontario, they used to have an OHL Global Game of the Week, Mm -hmm. of which I was hosting that year on top of my duties at Sportsnet. So I was doing a game in Guelph, Ontario, that Saturday afternoon before the Sunday. Now, in an extensive research, after buying the tickets... The only way I could make it in time to Salt Lake City, having to do this hockey game Saturday in Guelph, was to drive from Guelph to Buffalo, board a plane from Buffalo to New York City, fly from New York City to Seattle, Washington, 
stay overnight with my friend, get on a 9 a.m. flight from Seattle to Spokane in time for a 12 o'clock start. Only way, at least in my research, there might have been other ways. Right. So, as it turned out, there are two airports in the Buffalo area. I drove to the wrong one. (laughs) After leaving with about five minutes to go in the third period, they were kind enough, Jack Miller and company, to let me go a little early to help pave the way so I wouldn't miss my flight. Well, if you want to hear screaming and noises that you've never heard out of another human, when I realized that I had these two tickets and Canada was going to play the United States for the gold medal, giving me an opportunity to see my number one bucket list sports dream in person, and I had driven to the wrong airport, I was in hysterics. Hysterics. And to this day, I don't know why they let me on the plane. I was too late. But they did. So I went Buffalo, New York, Red Eye, New York, Seattle, got to the hotel, slept for two hours. My friend Ayub and I got up, caught the plane, made our way to Salt Lake City for February 24th, 2002, which... The two greatest days of my life are the day my son was born and February 24th, 2002 in Salt Lake and the adventure that eventually got me there. Fantastic. All right, dude, before I let you go, one of the things we're doing, and I I mentioned this a couple times, this is completely ripped off of Pat Monahan from Train. He did a podcast, and he always asks this. I love this question. I want to make it part of this because when this is over and life resumes and we move on, we want to give people some things to look forward to. Give me a hidden gem in Calgary. Give me a hidden gem. Your hidden gem in Calgary, restaurant, coffee shop, location, park, arena, I don't care. But give me the Peter Labardius hidden gem of Calgary. Can it be Calgary and area? Yes, absolutely. I don't know if it's so hidden. Can it be sports or does it have to be something else? Whatever you want. There are no parameters to this. The home of the Okotoks Dogs, (laughs) that ballpark, Seaman Stadium. I love it. Is to me the great little hidden gem for anyone who has never been. And in closing... The first time I went, Rob, was 2008. Uh, It was prior to the World Junior Men's Baseball Championship in Edmonton. I had no idea about this place. So I went to watch Canada and the U.S. play in a pre-tournament game in Okotoks. Had never been. Well, when I drove down that hill and I saw that absolute specimen of beauty... I'll never forget it. Never, almost drove right off the road. That to me is, and there are many, one of the great Calgary and area, maybe not so hidden anymore, but that's a hidden gem. Love you, brother. Stay safe. Right back at you, pal. And and we're going to do this again. I cannot believe that we broke news on this very podcast. That was not the intent. I'm so excited about that. Um, we did the longest conversation with Peter Labardius ever that did not talk about junior hockey directly. So that gives me the impetus to do another one because okay. I cannot do I cannot talk to you without that coming up. Okay. Be well, my friend. Thank me you too. for doing this. This is amazing. My pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me. How about that? Um, humbled. Absolutely humbled. We broke news, kids. We broke news. Uh, looking forward to that next great adventure of podcasting for one Peter Labardius. Glad he could join us. Love the man to death. He is truly one of the greats. We'll have him back, I'm sure. Uh, we did not talk about junior hockey, as I said, and I, that just boggles my mind. He is a, is a great dude. Um, hope you're enjoying the conversations. We've got... Um, We've got great stuff coming up with some really cool people in all kinds of walks of life, and we're going to tie them together 
with Calgary. We're going to tie them together with sport. We're going to tie them together with positivity as much as we can. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and athletes, coaches, organizers, cowboys, comedians, actors, uh, you name it, broadcasters, we, we've got it all covered. Glad you're here with us. Um, hope you're hunkered down. Hope you're safe practicing everything that we're supposed to practice, washing our hands and social distancing. We're going to get this. We're going to get this beat. We are. Uh, we are a resilient people. We are a resilient city, uh, province, country, nation, all of those sort of things. And we're here for you, hoping you're enjoying these. If, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please share. Uh, let other people know about it. Uh, and check out sportcalgary.ca. Always something going on there. Uh, we'll be back very soon with a brand new Original Six Feet Productions. Uh, sorry, an Original Six Feet Conversation Podcast, a production of Sport Calgary. I've got lots of time. I'll get the extra right.